holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. Hope you're well after what has been a pretty, well, it's a kind of a strange week from an Arsal point of view because it started, uh, everybody was in, in bad form for one reason or another, whether you were upset about what happened at Stoke, and I think everybody was, and then there was the stuff about the manager and whether you were upset about the treatment that he got from a, a small number of fans on the way back from Stoke, and people reacted to that, then people were reacting to the reactions, and then there were other people reacting to the reaction of the reactions, and, and basically it was like a chain reaction. As if you took a mystery and made me want it. And you got a pedestal and, and put me on it. You know, that kind of way. So um, it's just been a weird kind of a week. And then, of course, we went to Galatasaray. We went to Turkey with a team that was... Well, we had a first 11 that was just about a senior first 11. And nobody really had any clue as to what might happen in that game. Because if you can lose 3-2 to Stoke, if you can be 3-0 down to Stoke at half time, what could happen? You could be 3-0 down to Galatasaray. As it turned out, we were 3-0 up. And um, it was like, <sighs> stop confusing me, Arsenal, with your ways and foibles and things. What's wrong with you? Why can't you do that more and do the other stuff less? And what a goal by Aaron Ramsey. What a goal. We'll come back to that in a second. But this Arscast uh, brought to you by our friends at Savile Rogue. That's Savile-Rogue.com. The purveyors of all that nice, cool scarves and hats and stuff where you can get 10% off by using the code ARSBLOG14. Uh, Check out. And Christmas is growing ever nearer. Growing? No, it's not. It's getting ever nearer. It's coming closer. It's sooner. It's going to be Christmas soon. So if you want to buy some Christmas presents for people, go to Savile-Rogue.com and uh, you can get 10% off by using the code ARSBLOG14. We're going to give you the winner of our Savile Rogue contest, which is for one of their King Super King scarves. And this week, this week, we've got three prizes to give away from Savile Rogue. Three of their beanie hats, which are cool. I have two of them and they're excellent. I don't know where they are, though. They're, they were somewhere put away last winter and now it's it's cold enough to be wearing beanies in the house when you get up in the morning, so I need to find them. As well as that, I'll give you the winner of the Arsblog book competition. We've got uh, Philippe Auclair on now in a few minutes, and we're going to discuss everything that has gone on this week in terms of the reaction and the other reaction and the chain reaction and perhaps the midnight action. Uh, that's coming up. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been a strange, strange week. Because um, I won't say Galatasaray was a, a high... In any way, it wasn't. It didn't, you know, it didn't really matter in the grand scheme of things because, um, you know, we still came second in our group, which means that we get one of Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid, Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Porto or Monaco when the Champions League draw is made on Monday. Uh, We're going to get a difficult team, I think. I don't know what the permutations are or, or how likely we are to draw somebody that might really, really beat us, but chances are we will. Um, I, 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 I quite like a trip to Barcelona. That'd be good. Haven't been back for a while. So that would be a good excuse to go there and drink some beers and eat some nice food. And, uh, you know, I was sort of interrupted by uh, watching us taking a pasting on the football pitch. Last time I was there, Messi scored all the goals. And I think it was Sylvester playing that night. I think he was. That would account for a number of the goals anyway. Uh, but that would be good. Madrid, I'm not too bad on Madrid. I was there once and that was only to see Arsenal win 
1-0 in the Bernabeu on our way to the Champions League final. But, you know, I just didn't I didn't get the vibe of the place. Wasn't wasn't for me. Munich, no thanks. Monaco, I suppose I could go down and, you know, hang out on my yacht there. That'll be all right. And Porto, ah, nah, don't think so. So come on, Barcelona. If we're going to lose, at least we can lose in a place that's cool to hang out in for a couple of days. That'd be good. Um, but uh, what was I saying? Yeah, but about Galatasaray, a forward line of, of Sonogo, Podolski and Joel Campbell, guys who haven't really been very much in the manager's plans this season for one reason or another. Podolski scored twice. Fantastic goal he scored to open up the scoring. Aaron Ramsey got the second, and then Aaron Ramsey got the third. And, uh, you know, I I think I, I'm a little bit in love with that goal still. Still. I know it's been a few days, and I know I've watched it dozens and dozens of times, but there is just something about hitting the ball that sweetly with your wrong foot. And who doesn't love a goal that is still rising as it hits the net? They're awesome. They're brilliant. The ones that swerve, they're cool. And the ones that dip, also cool. But the ones that start off low to the ground and sort of into the top corner, or it doesn't matter whether it's the top corner, the middle, wherever, but as long as they're still rising. Amazing. What an amazing goal and such amazing technique as well. If I tried to do that with my left foot, chances are I would be in hospital now recovering from hernia surgery. I mean, just absolutely brilliant. And... Maybe it's just what we needed, because the weekend looks tough as well, uh, because we're facing a Newcastle side, sort of resurgent in terms of their form, because you'll remember it was Pardieu out for a long time, and it won't take long for the Pardieu out to to re-emerge, but they've won a lot of games, and obviously they beat Chelsea last weekend, which was nice. Just leaving a moment there for you to remember that and laugh out loud at Jose Mourinho. Um, so they'll be coming to us full of confidence. And the other thing as well, and we'll have a bit more in-depth team news later on, is that uh, I know this might be a bit of a surprise, but pretty much all of our defenders are knackered to one, uh, to one degree or another. So that's going to make things a bit more challenging. But as I said, we'll, we'll touch on that. A bit later on when we look at the team news. We'll also have the competitions and all that kind of stuff. That's coming a bit later on too. And, um, well, now I think we should probably just uh, welcome our guest uh, to try and make sense of the week that was and everything else. Uh, No better man to help us do that than Philippe Auclair. Hi there. Hi. It's been an interesting week, to say the least. And obviously much of the focus has been on what happened off the pitch rather than what happened on it. And obviously what happened at Stoke last weekend precipitated the events that happened off the pitch. Can I just ask you first what your reaction uh, was to the video that emerged of some of the Arsenal fans at the train station, uh, giving Arsene Wenger a bit of a hard time as they looked to board the train back to London? Um, I was um, shocked, I must say. I thought it was um, certainly not called for. Uh, I thought it was more than excessive. Actually, I would say that it was very difficult to understand what could be the motivations of these people, um, because obviously they, they had come with a, a plan. They wanted to uh, to be there and, um, and and get their opportunity to uh, not just um, scream abuse and boo, but also film themselves and well, the uh, usual just, thing, just, just is, to jump in there very really. briefly, just um, because what what happened with the video was that a guy who who genuinely just wanted to film the team getting onto the I onto see. the train, he filmed it, put it up on YouTube, and there was a big reaction, and he he was uh, taken aback by this. So I, there wasn't anything. Um, I thought at first that it was more, more insidious, but it was an accidental capturing of a moment which he then took down, but it was re-uploaded. Uh, well, um, thank you very much for for telling me that, Andrew. Actually, that that, that is different, but it doesn't it still doesn't mean that it was um, easy to forgive uh, those people. Sure. I mean, you have absolutely the right to be to be annoyed at the way um, the team is performing at the moment the way that the problems that we've been talking for years about now uh, still don't seem to be addressed in the proper manner, be it by the manager or by the board or, or by anybody for that matter. Uh, but it's, there's a very big difference between that and, and making your discontent being known. And, and what is basically insulting somebody who's uh, brought an awful lot to the club, uh, whatever you think um, he should do, uh, all the club should do with him. But yeah. that's, that was actually going, you know, uh, crossing a line that I, I don't think should be crossed. And I, I would imagine that most Arsenal fans would be in complete agreement with me on this one. Right. So, um, 
a point that James made on the Arscast Extra on, mm-hmm. on Monday was that it seems unlikely that given some of the days and performances and, and issues that we've had down the years, so, you know, we've spoken about and, and we've had some dark days uh, on the pitch, mm. that, that perhaps it's not necessarily the first time that Arsene Wenger will have been exposed to that kind of a reaction, but certainly the first time it was it was captured on video. What, what do you think his reaction to it will have been? Because obviously he's a very intelligent man. He knows the game of football. He knows the way that fans react when things are going badly. My sense of it is that, you know, he, he, he obviously won't have uh, enjoyed it one little bit, but I don't think if the desire was from those people to make Arsene Wenger uncomfortable or so uncomfortable that he might consider his position, if anything, my sense is that it would just make Arsene Wenger work harder. Yes, and um, you say that he might have been subjected to something of that kind before. Uh, I'm not too sure about that, as a matter of fact, because, yes, there have been dark moments, and there have been moments where we remember when, um, for example, at at the Emirates, um, substitution greeted by booze and things like that, um, and and people singing, you don't know what you're doing, and so forth, which is part of the course in the life of any manager. This is different. On the other hand, I agree with you, is that if he hears this sort of thing, you know, he's quite a spiky character, Wenger, uh, and uh, he also has got, um, I think, he's convinced that he's doing things the way he should be doing them. It doesn't mean that he, think, he doesn't criticize himself or look at himself in the mirror. No, he does that, and actually perhaps he does it too much, and he's a bit too uh, uh, critical of himself, and at the same time not enough, um, not receptive enough to the criticism of others. So I would imagine that the combination of that, the fact that, he doesn't take uh, very kindly to outside, criti- uh, uh, outside criticism on one hand, and on the other, that he's also very critical of himself, mm. which is a weird combination, a very Wengerian uh, combination, means that this kind of uh, demonstration or, of, of uh, hostility uh, will certainly not have the effect that the people who uh, um, initiated it uh, would have hoped for. Yeah. Um, I... I that's the thing. You know, you you don't. I think, in a way, you. The people who are doing this kind of thing, perhaps they're doing it also because out of desperation, because they 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 can't see how things are going to change uh, in any shape or form or fashion. Uh, given the structure of the club, given the way that it is run, given the extraordinary amount of power that Arsene Wenger has got. And then, therefore, when you find yourself in a situation when you're truly despairing, um, you sometimes do very nonsensical things. Mm. Uh, but which, of course, is what is absurd is that, um, to to use a famous quote of all the... Uh, and important things in life, football is the most important, but not more than that. So in the end, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. But it does seem to matter an awful lot when you're banging your head against the same wall and you've been doing it for years and you can't see any end to it. Yeah. Um, I mean, isn't that the frustration? Because yes. what, we've, what we've seen, obviously, are the same issues um, oh, yeah. coming up. And, and look... You don't need to be a football genius to know that when you go into a season with just six defenders, that you're you're really skating on thin mm-hmm. ice. So we fell through that ice weeks and weeks ago, yeah. and the frustration comes because for all the good things that Arsene Wenger did in the summer, he is being defined by what he didn't do, yeah. uh, and and that was to that was to invest properly in, in the defensive side of the, of the team. And, and it, you know, we've spoken about it. Everybody's spoken about it. Every pundit, whether you're an Arsenal fan, whatever, mm. you can look at that and say that is a huge, huge issue for Arsenal. And when that issue comes to bite the team in the arse, as it did against Stoke, then yep. it, it becomes it's not, it's easy to see why people lose their reason. Uh, entirely, and I think, uh, and we, we we talked about it this, this summer. We we all, but we also talked about it uh, in the last January transfer window, and we talked about it probably in the summer of 2013, and in the January 2013, and probably in the summer of 2012. <laughs> and you can go back like this a long, long way. Mm. This is not exactly something new. Um, sometimes you you wonder that um, if it amounts to pig-headedness on Wenger's side, that he, he can see and read and hear 
of people saying, you should buy, you know what, Arsene, why don't you buy a, a central um, midfielder who can defend a bit and protect your back four? Why don't you buy another, uh, another centre-back? Um, Arsene, you've just given um, um, Kajenkinson to West Ham on loan. We're a bit short in that department. You're going to have to play Chambers until the end of the season. And so on and so forth. And you sometimes think, well, maybe he's a bit pig-headed and he hears that and says, well, I'm going to prove you wrong, guys. I'm going to prove you wrong. And I know better than you do. And it's this thing that is very unfortunate and is now done it a few times, which is basically tell people who criticize him and in very courteous terms and I think very reasonable terms. And, and, and I'm not trying to, uh, to put him in, in, in a spot where he shouldn't be put. Uh, and by turning to them and say, well, have you ever managed a game in your life? Which is honestly absolutely awful, which is a bit like a show me your medals kind of moment. Yeah. And, um, uh, and and that's on, on, I think, the great majority of Arsenal fans, of which there are quite a few um, in the press call, by the way. Uh, people are there wondering, well, we're being perfectly reasonable here. We're asking perfectly reasonable questions. But it seems that even asking a perfectly reasonable question is, in a way, uh, attacking something that cannot be attacked. That Arsene, for some reason, is, is beyond those attacks. And it's like the extraordinary response to what Alisha Usmanov said. Uh, you, you remember this. this yeah. uh, and and I, I thought it was quite extraordinary to hear uh, the employee of a club speaking in such almost derogatory terms about his second biggest shareholder. And I was trying to think, well, if that happened in any other company, any, any other enterprise, well, you would be in, in, in real trouble, my friend. You can't mm. do that. Yeah. The guy has, got, has, has spent millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions buying shares in that club. He certainly has a right, as has a, actually anybody who's bought a season ticket, to have an opinion and to voice it. And you shouldn't turn around to him and basically say, well, you don't know anything about football, now please shut up, which mm. is basically what Arsene said. Uh, a bit surprising. And, yeah. and I think this is also what is worrying, is that we feel that the, you know, the more he comes under attack, um, be it justified or not so justified attack, the more he retreats in this ivory tower of his, yeah. um, which is built, he's been building every season it's as, as if he's built a new floor uh, <laughs> on the, in this ivory tower. And he's retreating now. ever higher. Yeah. Could, could we put this down, you know, what you said about him being, uh, in a way, looking to prove people wrong. Mm. Could, could we also look at it in, in something that has just occurred to me uh, that I'm, I'm going to call the Goldilocks theory? In the sense that, <laughs> in the sense right. that if, for Arsene Wenger to do something, it has to be just right. So, mm -hmm. to bring in the central defender that he wants... Mm -hmm. It's got to be exactly the right central defender. To bring in the mm -hmm. midfielder he wants, it's got to be exactly the right midfielder. Mm -hmm. uh, if Carl Jenkinson isn't just right for this team, then mm -hmm. he's expendable regardless of whether or not in, in, in the overall picture it weakens us. So perhaps that's his thing, his, this, uh, an exactitude to what it is that he wants to do that is in some ways, um, you know, when he can find the right players, a great thing. But when it doesn't happen, mm. he's not willing, for example, if he wants this central defender and he's not available, he's not going to go get that one just to fill a gap because we need one. I, I think it's a tempting theory, but I don't think it's quite the right one, okay, <laughs> if I'm honest. No, no, but it's, it's, it's fun. I'm, I'm thinking and but I'm, I'm putting this in, um, thinking of this in relation to the players he's actually purchased. And I can imagine that, for example, like Alexis obviously is just right. Mm. Um, so that's pretty, you know, everybody agrees on that. And I think everybody would have agreed before it happened that it was absolutely right. On the other hand, um, <laughs> You're going to throw something like the Andre Santos barrage is, exactly. is, is, is too cold. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and there would be a few other examples of that. Mm. Um, uh, do you think that Yaya Sanogo is just right? Maybe. I'm not so sure. He's, he's, he's uh, in a way, he's just right in a certain uh, certain profile of player yeah. that, that Darsen likes. He has... Uh, obviously, great athleticism is a, is a pain in the ass for, for, for the other defenders because of his bulk and, 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 and his, his physical prowess, basically. Mm. And he's still raw. We, 
which means that Arsene can work on him and he can fashion him into the player that he thinks he can become. Yeah. So you've got two things. You've got the potential, uh, which is the athletic and technical potential. On, on the other hand, you've got the potential full stop, which means that Arsene, uh, I remember him t- telling me that um, quite a few times, that, uh, before uh, a manager, I'm an educator. And, and he, and when he puts himself in this situation, he thinks, well, I can make a really good player out of this. Yeah. This is where really, you know, it, that's very excite, exciting for him. This is where he gets probably the most satisfaction, which is one of the reasons why uh, he was so, uh, so, I mean, distraught at the end of the 2007-2008 season when he had fashioned this group of very young players into one of the most exciting teams in Europe, and, and they genuinely were, until the moment you know the wheels started to fall off uh, in Birmingham. Mm. Uh, but he was genuinely distraught because that was exactly what he had in mind. And in, in that, perhaps you're right. Just so we should think of it, perhaps in, in what it means in his own mind, not what we would think would be um, just so, absolutely yeah. to perfection, but people, players who conform to his grand plan, who, yeah. whose profile is fits perfectly in, in in the kind of puzzle that he's, he's devised for himself. Yeah. And a puzzle which deserves its name when we look at it, because we don't know what to make of it. Mm. I mean, Sonogo might not even have been porridge yet. He could he could have just been mm. the oats without the, the other ingredients. So, anyway, we'll, we'll leave that um, perhaps strange and slightly <laughs> off-key metaphor or, or theory to one side. Um, but, but there is a sense now that the manager is swimming against the tide every mm. time there's a every time there's a bad result yeah. um, there is absolutely no forgiveness or no hiding place and and clearly there are large sections i don't think it's um, necessarily the small minority anymore but there are large sections of the arsenal fan base who would be very very open to a change of manager yeah. and Every time that something doesn't go right for Arsenal, a few more people are convinced and it entrenches those uh, who, who feel that way. Um, how can he, as an experienced man, experienced manager, uh, who's been in the game a long time, uh, who is, let's not forget, only six months into a, a three-year deal, yep. how can he deal with that? in a way that doesn't become a distraction from the team because, you know, th- there is a certain amount of firefighting that goes on because he's, he's got this. He can't not feel the pressure or not be aware of mm-hmm. uh, the, these external forces. But at the same time, he's still got to concentrate on getting his team, which hasn't performed consistently over this season, into yeah. some kind of a, 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 a rhythm or, or find the kind of form where they can win 10 or 15 games or, or not lose for that period of time. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's it's a bit of a balancing act. Yeah, and, and the I think a very important thing that is perhaps um, not uh, taken into consideration is the fact that it's a completely new experience for him. You know, and he's there, you know, 65 years of age, mm. 65 years of age, and he's never gone through that. When he was at Nancy, uh, the team did very, very badly, but nobody was turning against him because they knew that he had no money and they had very poor players, and he was an up-and-coming young, up-and-coming young coach who was actually pushed by Monaco. Monaco had worked really well until the very last season when he lost the sit, well, didn't win for seven games, and the fans were not against him at all. It was a decision by the board to sack him, and he didn't see it coming, honestly. He never saw it coming. When he was in Japan, he left because Arsenal wanted him, and, and that's it. He's somebody who's never been in that situation. It's completely yeah. new for him. Yeah. He's, he's always been, uh, he's, he's been used to people telling him, Arsene, you're the best, you're a miracle worker, you're so wonderful. And, of course, things have changed slightly over the past, you know, past few years. Uh, I, I would imagine, yes, probably I would say 2008, 2009, perhaps 2009, 2010, when people started to think, oh, maybe it's not quite working, maybe we should think of something different. And it, it's something which, um, yes, he has never been exposed to, and I'm, I'm not sure he's got the, the, the armory to, to respond to it and to manage it in a proper way. I think it's getting, he's a very sensitive man, as, as you can tell. Yeah. He's also somebody, you know, he's, he's got this mask of worry and uh, incomprehension on him when he's in his technical zone which we saw from time to time in the past which now seems to be the default face of Arsene Wenger yeah 
Um, I, I'm not sure that, that he knows how to cope with that. And, and to come back, I mean, my personal feeling is that I think now if you were to ask um, Arsenal fans uh, whether they think a change, a time for a change has come or not, I think for the very first time you'd find a majority in favour saying yes, absolutely. Now is the time. Because the other thing that we don't want to happen, and I think this is one thing that apart from a few cretins, everybody would agree on, when the time comes to say goodbye to Arsene Wenger, we wanted to say goodbye properly and in a, a, a fashion that will show him how much affection and respect uh, you know, the fans have for him. Yeah. And it, it should never be allowed to rot away and fester, as is the case at the moment. And this can happen. And you can, you can, as you say, every time there's a bad result, it doesn't matter that you win 4-1 against the shittiest team in Europe. It doesn't matter. Uh, which is a pity because, you know, you could say, oh, fantastic, you know, look at Ramsey's strike and it's wonderful. But in the end, people were just... You know, say it doesn't really matter anyway. Did it change anything in the group? No, it didn't. Well, no, let's wait until the next um, stoke away and see what happens. Yeah. And the, the other thing as well, uh, and, and sorry if I'm rabbiting on, no, but no. The, any fan can accept defeat. That's not a problem. I think after, you know, um, the loss against Manchester United, I think people were. Danny Pellegrino here with a very merry, iconic podcast here to tell you about AMC Plus. With Best Christmas Ever on AMC+, every day feels like Christmas morning. From new holiday favorites like Elf and one of my personal favorites, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, you can spend the holiday season opening up only the good stuff. Plus, you'll get a stocking stuffed with highly acclaimed AMC series like The Walking Dead and Mad Men, new series like Gangs of London and The Walking Dead World Beyond, and you're also getting your favorite iconic Christmas movies without having to search. AMC Plus is available on all your devices, AMC Plus, only the good stuff. This holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Because of the, the way that the goals were conceded, but the first 45 minutes had been, you know, quite encouraging. The team had, had a go and so on. And but you know, when you see something like what happened at Stoke and this first 45 minutes, this is different. Yeah. You don't, you don't, you don't, you can't go away from that game thinking, well, the ref was rubbish. Uh, we was robbed. Uh, on another day, we would have won. No, no, no. On another day, nine times out of ten, we would have lost mm. and perhaps lost by even more goals so uh, and, and the problem is that the losses at the moment and the bad results there is not a single one of them that I can remember this season anyway where you feel actually Arsenal were hard done by yeah, yeah, yeah. I can actually feel of the, the opposite that some of the some of the games actually panned out quite luckily um, in, including games against teams that honestly uh, shouldn't pose any any problem, mm. and and also you compare you know with what was the situation last season where you know people were uh, you know I think Arsenal after 15 rounds of the of the league uh, were were first um, five points clear. You know that's uh, quite a big difference. Mm. And, and yeah, I mean, I think th- I think that has contributed to the frustration because yes. it felt like last season was a step forward exactly. because of a title challenge, because of a trophy, uh, and because of the summer as well. Because um, you know, obviously, until it became patently obvious that we didn't have enough defenders when the transfer window closed, let alone for the start of the season, mm. um, you know, the, the, it still felt like we could build on what happened last season and instead uh, we've regressed not only the the issues that happen on the pitch defensively that we know about but all the issues that are happening off the pitch and the amount of injuries that Arsenal get and I realise it's a very difficult area uh, and there's nothing, it's not like you can say right okay we've discovered this one thing that's causing all those injuries it's a much more complex thing than that but there doesn't appear to have been any progress 
in that regard either. So and, and that in itself is very telling. Because yeah. if there hasn't been any progress, you can already point at one of the areas of concern, which is obviously if you haven't been able to identify the reason why you suffer from so many muscular strains and sprains and everything, it's because your medical staff is not able to determine why this is happening. And if your medical staff is not uh, able to do that, I'm sorry, your medical staff has got a serious problem. Yes. And, um, you're saying, I, I mean, your suggestion, and I, I don't think you're, uh, I, I don't want to pin this on you, but I mean, that the, the the, the implication there is that the medical staff uh, and perhaps the fitness staff just aren't up to scratch. Well, uh, I, I think the question is worth asking. And I think, yeah. as a matter of fact, I think um, I, I heard Arsene mention it once. I mean, in public, he always defends his medical staff, saying it's absolutely wonderful. I mean, he res- recently praised them for uh, enabling uh, Olivier Giroud to, to come back from, uh, from his injury a month earlier than planned, which is mm-hmm. great, provided they are not rushing him. But, you know, well done to, to the guys. That, that's great. On the other hand, I also heard him when Arteta um, had um, yet another uh, hamstring injury, uh, saying, you know, it's incomprehensible. We, we need to look into that and find out the reason. Now, these are problems which, again, you know, everything with Arsenal has to, has to do with Groundhog Day. A- a- everything. Or, or actually, since you're based in Ireland, you know, the third policeman, Flann O'Brien's <laughs> work of genius, where yeah. everything starts over and over again, and it's the you know, circle of hell after circle of hell. But uh, the, the fact is, this is not new, and if it doesn't address properly uh, over a period of time, uh, obviously there's, there's, there's a problem of diagnosing what the, at least what is being done wrong. Mm. And there doesn't seem to be any, any sign this is happening. I mean, Ramsey was subbed, I hope it was just a precautionary sub, subbing uh, uh, in Turkey at halftime because he had this muscular problem, but how many muscular problems has he had? Mm. It's insane. Yeah. And you know, there have been, we've all seen the stats comparing the long-term injuries over the last 10 years in the, in the top six clubs in the country and and even taking into account Manchester United's ridiculous attempt at uh, hamstringing every single player they have on their books this season, <laughs> uh, Arsenal still comes up comf- top and quite comfortably. Yeah. Um, which obviously creates a huge problem, which is perhaps another thing that you know we we haven't we don't talk much about is the fact that there is because of that because of the constant injuries uh there is a problem of establishing technical continuity in the team yeah it's constantly chopping and changing not because it's tactical um adaptation to this opponent or not it's simply because you have to because oh oh shit Arteta's injured oh what are we going to do oh Ozil is injured oh and so on and he carries on oh Ramsey can't play and um when you compare, for example, and I know with what's happening um, in the club uh, in, in in London, the other one, but not the one at the top, the one at the bottom, you know, uh, who play in blue, and you compare what they're able to do, um, obviously they've got a decent medical staff there, um, they can basically use a group of 23 players and nobody's, nobody's uh, complaining about the fact that it's, it, it seems a little bit light in terms of the squad compared to other squads, which it is. But they have so few injuries, they are so well managed on that side, that it doesn't seem to impair them. Well, that's so, another, that's another uh, area that, you know, people can, can look at, and uh, I think people have questions about that as well, but there has to be perhaps a, a happy medium. Um, hmm. um, yeah, well, well look, let's, let's look at January then. Uh, and I right. know it's, we're, we're delving into the realms of speculation here, but given the fact that... <laughs> Arsene Wenger has looked at a back four that he played against Stoke that got absolutely torn apart. He's got Matthew Debussy back. He still has an ongoing issue with with uh, with Lauren Koscielny. Which the, is very serious. That, yeah. is, that, is, that is terrible because yeah. um, if, if you don't mind my interjecting here, Andrew, I, I, I think you know that one of the great positives last season was the improvement of um, the defensive solidity of, of the team particularly, I would say, after the first three months of the season, where it was still very shaky, loads of goals considered on set pieces, but after, I mean, certainly after, you know, November or something like that, the team really got very, very strong defensively speaking. And, and, um, and you thought maybe it's boldy and the work they do on the, on the training pitch and so forth. 
And actually, I'm thinking, I don't think that's that. I think what happened is that Arsenal, Arsene, got what for me is a wonderful defensive pairing between Mertesacker and Koscielny, um, which is just perfectly, uh, they're perfectly adapted to each other. They, they compensate for each other's, you know, weaknesses. And I think it's those two guys basically have devised a, a way to play together, yeah. uh, which is very much of their own making. Like they're a proper partnership, a really a proper partnership. Now, when one of them is not in great shape, which is the case of, of Pear since the World Cup, yeah, he's very honest, he's the first to, to recognize that. He's had problems in living this extraordinary experience and coming down to earth and finding you know, the right motivation. And uh, I'm sure he will find it again. And then the, this terrible problem that uh, Koscielny has got with his, um, his Achilles, it's the, we, we've lost that. And what's the, what's the result? Well, you can, the number of goals that Arsenal has conceded yeah. and the win which they've conceded them. So, so I was interjecting that because it made me think, well, perhaps the reason for that, uh, that defensive improvement that we had seen was not really the work that had been on the training pitch, but more the work that had been done by the players themselves, those two players. Yeah. When we were very lucky to be able to play game after game after game after game and, and who had developed an understanding, uh, a relationship that made Arsenal more solid. Yeah, but I mean, um, they also had, I mean, in fairness to, to the pair of them, they also had Sanya outside them for most of, or pretty much all of the season. Yeah. And they had uh, Gibbs as well. And if Gibbs wasn't there, then we had Monreal who slotted in very well. But I mean, both Gibbs and Monreal in recent times have been carrying injuries and having to play yeah. through injuries. Monreal being played out of position. And sorry, just to bring it back to January, um, <laughs> wh- what does he have to do? Because he's got, firstly, he's got to get this group of players, which is. Uh, they must be all in that fabled red zone, more or less, because yeah. of the, the, the paucity of options meant he's had to replay players, and that comes back to the injury thing, and it's it's the circle of life from an Arsenal point of view. But um, what does he have to do in January, and can he do enough in January to 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 buy him, I won't say time, because he's got time, but to, uh-huh. to ease the pressure that's on him? Um, to be honest, I really don't know, because they're on that many obvious targets. I mean, you know, we would all agree need at least one extra central defender and, and certainly somebody who would qualify as a, as a defensive midfielder as well. But nothing's changed exactly what you were saying in the summer. But the thing is that you look around and you wonder where is he going to get him. I know there's all, there are all these rumors about Sissoko uh, from, from Newcastle, for example, who's a player I, I, I rate, by the way. I mean, he's a... Well, he's, he's not a, a bit, defender, is he? I mean, he's not a defender, exactly. Exactly. He's, but he's a very Vangarian kind of player in terms of dynamism and, and athleticism. Uh, and he's a bit of a Swiss knife of a, of a player. You know, you can do an awful lot of things with him. He can, mm. he can, he can play in a more defensive capacity. He can play box-to-box. He can be, play in a front three. Uh, you can even play him centre-forward if you wish to. But um, certainly, uh, when I, well, the reason why I, 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 I name him is because he's one of the few... I think one of the few people that I've heard named in conjunction with Arsenal where I think there is some, genuinely something happening. Um, I haven't heard anything about any particular defender or, uh, or central midfielder, which is odd. But if you look, Andrew, around, I mean, central defenders are very, there aren't that many very good ones in, in European football at the moment. Yeah. Uh, and the good ones that you can think of, all of them are taken, or it would take an awful lot of money to prize them away from their clubs. But can he can he find another Kisielny in the sense that, you know, he, he was nobody, well, I won't say nobody, but, well, you know, he was very, very he'd, unknown. He'd been, you know, he'd been, he was, no, he, he was not nobody. Um, he, he, had, he had a reputation, and he, he, he was really improving very, very fast. But this said, nobody was expecting him to reach that kind of level as quickly as he did. That's yeah. true. Um, is there another question somewhere? Perhaps I, to be honest, n- not a single name comes to to my mind immediately. Um, the other problem, you know, is if you you, you, say you talk about buying time, but if you buy in January, you don't have it's not, you don't have the time to get the the guy has got to slot in immediately. Yeah. Because the, the problem is the problem is now the problem is not going to be in six months. We're not talking about preparing a team for the seasons to come. We're talking about. Uh, finding solutions for problems which are hampering the team right now in December. Uh, So you you want, I wouldn't say the finished article, but something which is as close 
uh, to as possible so that you can slot this person in. So you don't have to play Nacho Monreal, who, by the way, I think has been far better than people say as a central defender, um, considering where he comes from. Mm. <laughs> I think he's done, you know, he's done as good a job as he could possibly do. Sure. But um, not good enough, we all agree on that, but as good as he could possibly do. Nobody can accuse him of, uh, of not doing that seriously. Um, but I, I, I can't see... <sighs> Many targets, um, and this is com- this is also more complicated because of the Champions League situation. Yeah, you know, as usual. Right. Um, well. and so you're looking around and you're thinking, well, the names that I've I've heard, Mats Hummels being, uh, in, I mean, as ever, you know, yeah, as always, uh, Mats Hummels is always a, a target. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's go for Kevin Strootman then, uh, and hope that he doesn't have um, <laughs> any injury. I mean, it's, uh, I, I honestly, I'm not expecting anything um, extraordinary uh, to happen in, in January. And I think that Wenger's uh, main concern will be to get his team back to, uh, together as, as soon as possible. But like you, I'm a bit worried about some other players who have been so far... Uh, have been protected from injuries, but are, are, are certainly in the red zone. And right. I'm thinking of Callum Chambers, for example. Sure. Uh, he's played far too much for a 19-year-old. It's ridiculous. He should be rested. Um, and I'm thinking of Alexis, uh, who's played too much as well. Now, he yeah. didn't play in Turkey good, um, but he, should, he could really do with the equivalent. He's never had, uh, he's never not had a winter break. Yeah. And there has to be one at some point. Yeah. It's, right. what, uh, it's, 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 it's what Mata Zaka the other day, I heard him say that. He said, uh, he said, it's so difficult for us, players who arrive in England, not to have this winter break. And he says, nobody understands quite how important it is for people like me, he said, also coming from the Bundesliga where they have a very long winter break. And he said, that's the reason why I retired from international football, because... This means that I don't have my winter break after Christmas, but I have it in the autumn and I have it in the spring. Yeah. And that's the only way I can cope with it because I wasn't able otherwise. I wouldn't be able otherwise. And I think for, for Alexis, it's absolutely vital that at some point he's given not just one game, a breed of one game, but the equivalent of 10 days or even two weeks. Yeah. All right. Well, we're, we're going to have to wait and see how that goes because mm. uh, obviously that's dependent on, on who else um, might need a rest or, or has an enforced rest. And we'll just have to hope that... Uh, Arsene Wenger can find A, his magic hat, and uh, B, a couple of rabbits to pull out of it. Philippe, uh, thank you as always. It's very rare we get a Flan O'Brien reference on the Arscast, so I thank you for that as well. You're very welcome. Thank you to Philippe. And before I go on with the show, um, while we're on the subject vaguely of Flan O'Brien, if you haven't read The Third Policeman, what have you, what have you been doing with your life? Seriously, you need to read this book. It is probably my favorite book ever. Ever. And you can get it on Kindle for like two quid or two dollars or whatever currency it is where you are. It's cheap if you've got a Kindle. If you don't have a Kindle, I'm pretty sure you can find a paperback secondhand on eBay or on Amazon or one of those. Or even better, even better, go to your local bookshop because, you know, this it's not a, it's not a rush job here. Go to your local bookshop and help them out because books are great. Nice physical books that you can that you can pick up and turn the pages. They're awesome. Uh, so go to your local bookshop uh, or a secondhand store and see if you can find one there. But do read it because it's just brilliant and funny and surreal and amazing. And uh, I recommend it. It's a lot better than the last book I read, let me tell you, which was um, the one that was a film uh, with uh, Ben Affleck. Uh, airport purchase, I should I should qualify. Gone Girl. Yeah. I, I I read that, and um, I don't really know why I bought it, but I did. And then I started it, and I was thinking, this isn't very good. I'm not going to like this. And as it went on, I hated it so much that I couldn't stop reading it because I wanted both of the main characters in it to die horribly at the end. Like, I really wanted them to... To, to just be in pain. I could visualize them. I could, I could make them human so there could be some redemption from reading this book if they would both be killed or kill each other or be killed by somebody. I don't care. I didn't care once they both died. Suffice to say, I was disappointed. And it's a remarkable book in the sense that everybody in it is a complete wanker. Every single character in it is a dick to some degree or another. I'm pretty sure she didn't mean to do it that way, but congratulations, she did. 
So I don't recommend that one, but I do recommend the third policeman. Sorry, I feel like I had to get that off my chest. Anyway, um, Philippe Auclair, you can get him on Twitter, at Philippe Auclair, at Philippe Auclair. I'm going to come back and do competition stuff and look ahead to the weekend's game and, and all that right after this. Join us as we take another enchanting adventure into the world of the angriest man on Twitter. Good evening, I am Dr. Nigel Wankpegs. Unfortunately, the angriest man on Twitter can't be here because he's been taken into hospital following a massive heart attack brought about by his high blood pressure. As we wheeled him into the emergency room to place the paddles upon his surprisingly erect nipples, he was mumbling incoherently, but I did manage to understand a few of the things he was saying. Bloody Arsenal. Fucking football. Why, Wenger, why? Fist my heinous ass. Not quite sure what that's got to do with football. And Gazidis Nut Cruncher. At this point, we are unsure if he's going to survive. If he doesn't, that could make you the angriest man on Twitter, and your fate could be the same. So I would urge you to step back and relax, so you don't end up in a hospital with a tube down your spam javelin, and nurses laughing at your grotesquely misshapen balls. Thank you. Next week, another madcap laugh-a-minute romp with the angriest man on Twitter. Everything is shit! Right then, time to do the competition stuff. And we had a couple last week, so a couple of prizes to announce. First, with thanks to our friends from Savile Rogue. That's Savile-Rogue.com. We had one of their king scarves to give away. And the question was about which three Arsenal players came from Southampton. The answer, Theo Walcott, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain and Callum Chambers. Well done to Dominic O'Connell. Well done to you. Uh, The random number generator pulled you out of the hat and you get yourself one of the king scarves. I'll be in touch. I'll get your address and we'll get that out to you as soon as we possibly can. The other competition was for a copy of Together, the story of Arsenal's unbeaten season, the hardback book with a packet of postcards. And uh, the answer was uh, which member of the Invincibles team had retired that week and the answer of course was Thierry Henry so well done to Jamie McDonald Jamie McDonald you're the winner of the book I'll be in touch with you to get your details or get the book sent out to you the book is still available at shop.arsblog.com that's shop.arsblog.com for your last minute Christmas shopping do get your orders in as quickly as you can because obviously there are postal delays and all that kind of stuff around Christmas time but uh, if you order we'll get them out pretty much the same day so uh, make your orders at shop.arsblog.com rsblog.com and of course if you're in London or if you're just uh, going to be in London briefly attending a game perhaps pop into the Tollington they've got copies behind the bar there you can get a signed copy and the postcards from behind the bar in the Tollington and uh, that will be a handy way to do your last minute Christmas shopping as well now this week we've got three beanie hats from Savile Rogue to give away three of their fantastic beanie hats all I want you to do please is answer the following question who scored Arsenal's winning goal against Newcastle on the final day of the 2012-13 season. Remember when we beat Tottenham into fourth place and uh, they thought it was 1-1 at Newcastle and they were going to qualify and it wasn't and they didn't. Remember? That was funny. So who scored the goal that day for Arsenal? Send your answer please to competition at arsblog.com. That is competition at arsblog.com and we'll give you the winner on next week's show. Uh, Very quickly looking ahead to the game against Newcastle this weekend. It is going to be a bit of a challenge defensively because... Um, Nacho Monreal is out with a foot injury. Lauren Koscielny doesn't look as if he's going to make it back. Callum Chambers is, of course, suspended. Matthew Debushi is just back from his injury. Kieran Gibbs is carrying a bit of a knock. So that leaves uh, Per Mertesacker and the vastly experienced Hector Bellerin as our two uh, fittest defenders. Uh, so it's going to be a bit of a challenge. We've only got one centre half. What's he going to do? Play Debushi there? Play Gibbs there? Play Bellerin at left back? Will he bring in uh, perhaps a young centre half? There's a, a young guy called Semi Ajayi. Uh, I think I'm pronouncing that rightly. And he was uh, on the bench a couple of weeks ago. Could he be the man asked to step in? 
it's not obvious who we're going to play. There's also some uh, midfield issues too. Aaron Ramsey has got a hamstring problem. He's going to be tested over the next couple of days to see if he can get through it. Mikel Arteta is out. Theo Walcott remains out. Haven't got any news yet on Thomas Rosicki, whether he might be back to add some strength to the midfield. But look, I think uh, the defensive side of things is where we've got our biggest worries. Just what kind of a back four is he going to be able to put together? And will it be able to withstand the um, the attacking talent of, of Newcastle, who have been pretty good, pretty good, quite dangerous, as we saw against Chelsea. And um, maybe it was just one of those days where everything went right for them, but it's also going to be one of those days where we'll have to defend an awful lot better than we did against Stoke. Otherwise, yeah, it's, it's going to be... I don't know what it's going to be. It's not going to be nice anyway. I'll tell you that. It's going to be like having to reread Gone Girl over and over again for 90 minutes. Which doesn't sound that bad, but trust me, you don't want to do that. Let's hope the midfield and everyone else can give the whatever kind of back four the right protection that they need. And look, we, we just need to start getting some results, consistent results now. It's going to be very difficult. Uh, you know, we've got our issues. Things are going to be up and down, perhaps more down than up. I, I don't know. Like we said with Galatasaray, you just don't know. Maybe an early goal will settle us down. We get another one, you know, do a, do a, do a Galatasaray on them. That would be good. But I don't think Newcastle are quite as shit as Galatasaray. That is the only problem. So, look, um, I, I don't know what to say other than I hope we're in a good place when myself and James bring you the Arscast Extra on Monday. Uh, until then, have yourselves a great weekend, and we'll talk on the Arscast next Friday. Take it easy. Cheers. Bye-bye. season treat yourself treat yourself to candy celebrate the holiday season with the holiday crush they've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun packed challenges every week for five whole weeks finishing on january 4th the more challenges you complete the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards so are you ready to crush the holidays play the holiday crush now download it from the app store google play or windows store for free terms and conditions apply